What is up everybody? It is Junior Senior 2 Views, episode 156. Back for another week. Let's get straight into it. Women's World Cup recap. It has been such an amazing, entertaining World Cup to see so far. Some big upsets. Germany have been knocked out. The second ranked in the world are gone. Confirmed. We've had some knockout games today as well. Spain played the Netherlands. It wasn't even... Uh, no, Spain... Uh, no, not Netherlands. They will play the Netherlands in the next round. Uh, Spain just absolutely destroyed their opponent 5-1. I forgot who it was exactly, but I know it was it was five. It was Switzerland. That's who it was. Switzerland. They absolutely ran it, ran amok in that game. Um, but in in the Matilda side of things, they will face Denmark tomorrow. How do you see that going? Well, they should be pretty confident. I mean, I think the big question, the big question that everybody asks is will Sam Kerr play most likely because she's most had likely. time off now they weren't they didn't need her in the demolition of Canada, of Canada yeah. so that was encouraging um with her on the field I think it'll give the team motivation and this is do or this is do or die now there's no yeah, more this is not there's no more waiting for another team to lose or draw you're out you you lose you're out so this is the this time. is this is knockouts so this, this is, is it. it and you're the host country yep. along with New Zealand you want to represent so mm-hmm. now the cream of the crop is here, so it, it's you know it's, this is, it's, this is Sam, pressure. Kerr's probably going to play. I don't see a world where she doesn't she doesn't start in the round of sixteen. But another big thing that's happened as well, and it's sort of a theme that I want to talk about with this as well. Um, in Can- in the wake of Canada's elimination, uh, they have consistently said their players have consistently said that they weren't given the proper resources for this World Cup, and they've consistently been in. Uh, conflict with their federation about not being compensated enough. And that's, unfortunately, a theme in women's football. I mean, we just saw probably the greatest of all time, Marta uh, and her Brazilian team leave and have been eliminated at the hands of Jamaica. Um, But it speaks to a bigger problem in women's sport, essentially, where the players are not compensated enough. Marta has never won a World Cup and will never win a World Cup as she will be retiring from the national team. Um, But she and her teammates gave unbelievable talent to her home country for so many... This was her, I believe, sixth World Cup appearance. Sixth. Most most players go out in four. Mm -hmm. This was her sixth World Cup appearance. And... She made uh, the final in 2007 against Germany where they lost, but they returned home after that World Cup fed up because they didn't have a team cook and weren't being paid enough. Um, And it's a theme. It's the same thing with Canada. Canada are returning from this World Cup without the success and fed up with their federation. Well, that's going to be a fight for obviously individual countries. I mean, obviously Australia fought to get equal pay. So, they, so did they, the states. So that so the states. So I think every single team is going to have to go back to their respective government and then make you know make a state a claim to get equal pay, and that's got to be an individual thing. That's something they have to work through, especially with this World Cup now, because the attendances have been so good. There is a market for women's football. There is a market. There is a following. You'll see people online say, oh, nobody cares about women's football. You know, the intellectuals in the social media comments. But people care. Why has it been over a million people attended to um, to the games in Australia if people don't care? I tried to get tickets. They were all sold out. Yeah. So, so, like, people obviously care about seeing these games here. 
So why aren't these women being compensated enough? It's a big issue and they need to be. It's it's really just it's awful to see talents like Martha and Christine Sinclair wasted by their federations. Alright, moving, uh, moving on. Now that it's obvious that the Mets were sellers, as I told you, at the trade deadline, what's next? Um, well, Epler has now gone on record to say that 2024 will most likely be a transition period for the Mets. Uh, and he doesn't, he, he said maybe 2025 they'll be contenders, but most likely 2026. Now, I don't mind with what they've done at the deadline. I don't mind it. It sucks that they're going to have to be paying $90 million to players who aren't playing for their organization anymore. Um, it was a short two-year period where they could have done something and, well, one-and-a-half-year period where they could have done something and didn't. Uh, yeah, it was just a weirdly built team this year, and it did not fare well. Uh, but looking at the returns they got, they got, in the shows of trade, they got Luis Angel Acuna, whose ETA is 2024. He can play uh, shortstop, second base, and center field. They'll most likely have him in the outfield. They'll probably be teaching him left field or right field. Um, I don't see, he's not going to be challenging Lindor or McNeil for the infield spots. But he immediately becomes their second-ranked uh, prospect. Uh, Ronnie, uh, they've still got Ronnie Mauricio. Kevin Parada is their top prospect at the catcher position. His ETA is 2025. Um, they also, in the Verlander trade, got back Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford, the Astros' number one and number four prospects. Drew Gilbert becomes their fourth-ranked uh, prospect, and Ryan Clifford becomes their sixth-ranked prospect. Um, they've got some good uh, power and contact in their bat. They're feel, both uh, players' uh, fielding is a little bit spotty, but that can be taught with time. Uh, both their, ET, their ETAs, respectively, Drew Gilbert is 2025, Ryan Clifford is 2026. I don't mind the returns they've got. I really don't. They've also got Mar- Marco Vargas, who um, they got from the uh, David Robertson trade, the 18-year-old. His uh, ETA is 2027. He's considered to be one of the better teenage prospects out there right now. So... I don't mind what they've done. I really don't. I like the fact that they've that they've said we're going to use free agency as a supplement, not the main uh, way to build this team. It does suck. It's the fact with this season. It's not just a pitching problem. It's not just a hitting problem. It's an everything problem for the Mets. Everything has gone wrong, and they took the smart route in dismantling pieces that had value and got decent returns they got prospects who have upside back so i'm optimistic about the next couple of years i'm hoping things pan out what do you think okay um so when david robertson was the first piece moved that was when i thought okay, escobar was the first piece moved actually well escobar was the first piece but to me wasn't a significant piece because that was the idea of Beatty. so i don't i don't count escobar there okay i count robertson because he was doing the closing duties. So the first piece was David Robertson, in my opinion, and that gave me the indication that the Mets were going to pretty much start selling, and they did. They went on a, a full-fledged garage sale and got, and you always saw, you know, the, it's like the fallen. You know, you saw Mark go. We saw Tommy Pham, who I told you last, last show. I said, he's going. He's playing well. He's going. So every single piece went, and when Scherzer went, you said Verlander's staying. No way Verlander was staying. So everybody was going, and I understand now, and whether or not this is a Steve Cohen situation, he's the one who spent the money on the team. It's sad because, you know, so much money was spent, and now you have to wait. 
And so that the bigger question is going forward is they're untouchables, and we know the untouchables were. Well, I told you they were Lindor, Lindor, McNeil, McNeil, Nimmo, and Alonso. Yeah. So now that's what you're going to build around. Um, you can start bringing up the younger guys now to see what's left. Uh, the pitching rotation now. But now the Mets have four uh, top 100 prospects I know. in their system. I know. But right now it's going to it's going to hurt. Yeah. There's going to be some pain. There were boo birds out the other night. There's a lot of boo birds at City Field now. People yeah. aren't happy. So you now have Kodai Senga, Quintana, Carrasco, who's a who's a dreadful pitcher. Awful. Peterson and McGill. So that does not evoke any fear in any lineup coming out there. Um, uh, McGill and Peterson were already DFA'd have just come back up. Right. Carrasco needs to be DFA'd. Well, that's not going to happen. So at this point, this is what you're stuck with. Yeah. And so it's going to be pain. There's going to be a lot of pain. There's going to be, you know, at this point, it's you've just they've just said it. And I'm surprised because I, I was surprised that the other team that didn't sell were the Padres. The Padres are well, under five hundred, and they—they're they're keeping their heads in. They're the sand. keeping their heads there, but they're—they're they're still not that close to the wild card yet. They still have a few teams to jump over, so they're—you know—four games under. They still have to do it. So, well, the Mets were much more far back than the Padres. Well, they're ten games. They're ten games under five hundred. But at this point, now you go forward to the end of the season, and you go: Is Buck Showalter coming back? Is he the coach? Is he the manager that's going to go? Because he was brought in to do one thing. Right, win they won 101 series. games last year. They they screwed the pooch in Chicago. They dissolved in Atlanta to get to the point where they just got into the wild card. But they also had a benefit because they had three games, two out of three at wild card. Max Scherzer was to blame for the first game, and then Degrom put up an amazing performance in game two. He did. Chris Bassett, who wasn't brought back next this year, didn't did, do, well. do well in game three. So. The Mets should have won the the, the wild card again. But it's, to move it was on. more the offense. They went they went cold with runners in scoring position. But you know, over those three there's going to be a lot of pain. So. Over those three games, they went ice cold with runners in scoring position. All right, and that was the main thing that killed them. But I I I've said it before. I'll say it again. If this was the Wilpons selling off pieces, I would I would be. This is going to be bleak. This is going to be real bleak. But Steve Cohen cares about this team. He is not going to take full control and micromanage everything. He's obviously trusting in the baseball experts. Um, yeah, I and, do. And he's saying, look, I'm, I've tried to sink money into this team. It hasn't worked, so we have to shift our approach. And right. So now, now you wonder, because I mean, I think fans were like thinking, okay, well, the Mets were going to be buyers, and they're just going to throw money at it. It didn't obviously, make sense for them to. Obviously, there's a lot more now ahead, and the Mets want to sort of build up a farm system to have a little bit like the Braves have right now. And look, Braves the, have a little bit of that. And look, the um, the the prospects they have, they don't necessarily have to break into the um, into the 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 major leagues. They can be traded off for supplementary pieces down the road if they so wish, okay. like guys who have um, uh, longer ETAs. So we'll have to wait and see. But it's been a really tough season. We'll go over it once uh, the regular season ends, and we'll dissect everything. Okay. But Next. moving on here, did the Angels do enough to persuade Shohei Otani to stay? Maybe. Maybe. So I, I'm going to say maybe. There's a chance. It's a very slim chance, but maybe. I mean, obviously picking up you know Giolito and picking up, I think, another pitcher called... Lopez from the White Sox because the White Sox were selling everybody. That's a start. Um, you know, it's all about 
it's all about actions. And maybe that's what Shohei Itani wants to see. Maybe he wants to see, okay, Arnie Moreno, as the owner, and the front office is willing to make moves to try to get there. Now, is it enough? They've, Not without Mike Trout. They've lost five opinion. straight right now. Right, I'm saying, in, in my opinion, if you don't have Mike Trout there, you're in trouble. So you need Mike Trout back healthy, which is a bit of an, a bit of asking for a lot. Yeah. So that's where I think things are interesting. Now, the Angels, I'm looking at their sort of record-wise. They're, 50, they're at 500 right now, as it stands. Mm-hmm. But they have to leapfrog Boston, the Yankees, and Seattle just to get to Toronto. So they're already six games behind Toronto, who they're going to play soon anyway. Yeah. So I, I think it's a stretch. I don't think they're going to make it. I don't think Shohei leaves. Maybe he does, but he's going to get paid a lot. And I think the Angels have the money to pay him. But, you know, that, that we'll have to wait and see. Well, I don't blame them for doing this. I don't. When you have a, <laughs> when you have a generational talent like Shohei Otani, he falls into the class of players who... Uh, um, you the his value in the trade market does not m- match his value on the field. Um, he he whatever you would get back for him, they that's why they asked at the dead the before the deadline. They said to teams, look, if you want to even enter discussion about Shohei Otani, we want three top one hundred prospects to be the starting point for even us to talk to you about this guy. And teams balked at that. And I don't blame the Angels for asking that much because Shohei Otani is a generational talent. He is undoubtedly the best player in baseball. He is uh, he's unbelievable. And having him on your team is a plus, not a minus. And so I don't blame them for doing this. I don't blame them for going all in. They didn't. They gave up some of their better prospects to do it. Will it work? I don't know. It's a big risk, but... You have to cherish a talent like Shohei. You have to. Right. But if you're Arnie Moreno, you're also looking at dollars and cents. Of course. he brings dollars and cents. Uh, of course. To a franchise that they have, they have, have not won in a long time. They have they have several Japanese sponsorships. Right. They don't want to give those up. Of course not. You know, who, whatever those Japanese companies are thinking, they're looking at Shohei Atani saying, okay, if he goes somewhere else, we're going to sponsor that team now. Yeah. Because of the money that Shohei's attention brings. Yeah. But um, for Artie... I'm surprised that he was willing to finally fork up some luxury tax money because he's never he's never done that and that was that's been his biggest flaw his fatal flaw which has always kept the Angels in um in neutral since 2009 he's never wanted to go over the luxury tax mm-hmm. um he's always given out big contracts to guys like Pujols and Hamilton long service contracts that just have not worked out and he's cheaped out on the pitching and everywhere else. He's gone for reclamation projects like Matt Harvey, Tim Lincecum, and Julio Tehran that have not panned out. Mm-hmm. So finally, he is saying, we have a generational talent in our midst. We have to do what we can to support him. Okay. So let's do it now. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, who knows? Okay. Moving on here, we have got, is Jim Ursay not reading the room? Is he? Is he? Is he not? Okay, so Jim Irsay, of course, who's the owner of the Indianapolis Colts, um, who has obviously had good fortune having inherited from his father, the late Robert Irsay, who, I don't know, moved the team out of Baltimore to Indianapolis. He basically wrote, this is about Jonathan Taylor. This will give some context, right? So Jonathan Taylor, the running back, said he wanted out. 
He wants to be traded. So uh, Jim Irsay writes, and this is what's quoted, if I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor is out of the league, no one's going to miss us. The league goes on. It doesn't matter who comes and who goes. This is the most brain-dead thing Irsay might have ever done. Like, probably second to the Luck situation. This is unbelievable. Like, now that Snyder is gone, thankfully, now that the evil is defeated... He's probably, in my right opinion, there? the worst owner in the NFL. Really? He cares about his team, but he's too meddlesome when it's needed in action and too passive when action is needed. That's Ursay at his core. And this JT situation tells it all. Jonathan Taylor wanted $60 million a year, and he said no, and he said, okay, then trade me. I, I know I had it down 2022, but mm-hmm. I was the MVP. I was almost a league MVP in 2021. Yes. I single-handedly carried carried this sad sack of an offense in 2021 mm-hmm. to the almost to the playoffs. That was before, with Carson Wentz. Yeah, before Carson Wentz stunk Ooh. up the joint in Jacksonville. Carson. Where are and, you now? And now you won't pay me, right. so trade me. Right. And Ursay comes out and says, no, we're not trading him. Then why won't you pay him? Then why won't you pay him? Mm. Yes, Running backs are not getting paid. And that's probably Jim Irsay's argument with that and statement. Yes, I know. Running backs aren't getting paid. You're not going to see a bell cow anymore. But this is Jonathan Taylor we're talking about. This He's not. He, he's he's a running back in the prime of his career right now. You, it's. I don't care if you even go with the argument of the running backs don't get paid anymore and they have a short lifespan and the league has changed and Jonathan Taylor's acting petulant about it. Uh, you can have that argument, fine. But you have to admit that Jim Ursay is not making things better. He is making comments that just seem tone deaf. Absolutely tone deaf to the situation. You're alienating one of your best players on the field. It's just simply, it boggles the mind. It, I, it doesn't boggle my mind. I, I, I This is who Jim Ursay is. Um, Jim Ursay is not... Necessarily, he's not a good owner. He's not a good owner. I don't think. I don't. I. I would say. Look, I. I wouldn't look if I had a choice between Jim Mercer and Jerry Jones. I'd take Jim Mercer. What? I'm sorry. I would. Honestly, I would because I don't. I think Jerry look, Jones is far more look, metal look, 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 than look, Jim Mercer. Look, 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 look. I, I. I agree that he's far more I, metal. I, I. agree with that. I Jesus, agree. I agree. Is. I agree with Jerry Jones being. Um, far more meddlesome than Jim. Yes. But Jerry Jones, even he wouldn't do this kind of crap. Even he would sell his soul to get the Cowboys back to their dynasty days. And even he cares more about his team than than Ursay. And even he listens to the football experts more than Ursay. He he's meddlesome, yes. But I think Jerry is a better owner than than Ursay, in my opinion. That's very short. It's very just, thin. Okay. Moving on here. You got that one. Okay. Thoughts about Aaron Rodgers' clap back to Sean Payton? I can't wait until these teams play. That's all I think. Yeah, I cannot wait till these teams play. It's going to be juicy because uh, Aaron Rodgers is known for talking. Sean Payton's known for talking. I can't wait till these teams play. What do you think? Um, It would have been, I, I think, him saying, you know, Keep you know, keep my coach's name out your mouth is very almost sounds identical to what happened at the Oscars with Will Smith and Chris Chris Rock. Um, I think that's funny. 
I think, but I also think at the same time, you know, as a couple of things. You know, I said it before. Sean Payton obviously said what he said to, you know, G up Russell Wilson to get him thinking about having a great season when deep down he did not have a good season mm-hmm. and the Broncos collectively stunk. Mm-hmm. I think this is also Aaron Rodgers loves this. He loves, you know, poking the bear. He loves being involved. And, you know, this it suits him. So for him to come in and say things, he was asked about it. He didn't come out and say it. He didn't have press conference. But you knew someone was going to ask him about it, and you knew he was going to weigh in. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. It's going to be a highly anticipated game just because of that. And the funny part will be whatever happens at the end of the game, who goes to stick out whose hand? <laughs> you know, who's going to shake whose hand? That'll be very you know, interesting. Like, like, you know, will Russell Wilson, obviously the quarterbacks always meet on the field. Are they going to shake hands? Whatever happens in the game, I don't it'll think, be interesting. I don't think Russ. I don't has, think there's, a, there's don't, other issues with that because I don't think, they played against each other. I don't think, but Ru- it'll be interesting to see the coaches, right? It'll be see, see Hackett sort of kind of milling around, going around Peyton. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. Look, ultimately, Sean Peyton has a Super Bowl championship, and he has that, and that's his, that's his resume, and he can hang that over to Daniel Hackett, saying, "In one season, you stunk, you got fired." You weren't very good as a coach, and some coaches are great coordinators, and vice versa. Hackett's so not even a good coordinator. He sucks well, as a coordinator as he's, well. Aaron Rodgers likes him. Aaron Rodgers was productive with him, so it'll be. It'll, let's see what happens. But so. but I don't think Russell Wilson even cares. I think Russell Wilson should be caring about uh, throwing the football accurately. That's what he should of be caring course, about. He had a crappy season, but I know why Sean Payton did this. Sean Payton openly did it in an effort to basically say it wasn't Russ's fault is why they were so bad. Yeah, uh, but I think it was a mixture of the two in my opinion. Yeah. Any chance that a petition to change the Washington team from the Commanders to that old name happens? No chance. They're better off changing the Commander's name. Now, the new ownership group has been asked about that almost immediately. Yeah. And the new ownership group, you know, who knows? There's the many players involved, one of them being Magic Johnson. So we don't know whether or not they have really considered that. I think they're going to give this season to just get exercise the demons away from the place that was well, Daniel Schneider. Well, the commanders have the, <coughs> com- the commanders name hasn't even been trademarked, so there's that. Right. So then, if you but the, I believe, and I might be wrong, that the commanders name was was sitting with Schneider. And uh, so whether it, or not that sitting it was with sitting him, with him, but it wasn't trademarked. Right. So they might have to scrap it and be the Washington Football Team again. Yeah. Before they try another no, name. There's no chance they go back to the redacted. No, no chance. They're not going to do not, that. It's not happening. But then then it begs to ask the question. I mean, if the the team, the old team name, who's next? Because there are, there, there are names out there. Well, the, I, should the Chiefs be the ones I, to get I, redacted? I, the Chiefs could be next. But should the Braves be redacted? Because, I mean, the Indians became the Guardians. Well, well... <laughs> It's, so what's next? If you're going to start doing that and looking at the whole landscape of sporting sports that is somehow perhaps culturally insensitive. Because years ago, I'll tell you this, years ago, right, college basketball, Syracuse were known as the Orange Men. Yeah. And they dropped that and became the Orange. Yeah. St. John's were not the Red Storm. They were the Red Men. Mm-hmm. And they dropped that. So yeah. it happens. So I'm, I'm curious to know. Well, um, money talks. And that's why Snyder pulled the original name because the sponsors threatened to pull... Uh, their sponsorship of yeah. uh, of Washington. Yeah. Um, I thought about different names. Uh, I know the senators are taken. Nobody uh, wants to know. <laughs> it's gone. Well, the senators are taken by um, Ottawa. Ottawa. Nobody wants to know the senators team. Uh, 
the, I don't know what I mean, other know, one. I don't know. The I mean, Capitals are taken by Washington. And, you know, I mean, look, at this point, you could the Commanders is a bad It's a, name. It's a it's soulless, horrible. bland name. It's a horrible name, and hopefully, maybe they do that in line with a new stadium. Maybe you don't do the name change. Until yeah, get the hell out of FedEx Field. It's, right. that's, it's a metal death trap if okay. I've ever seen it. All right. Moving Next on. One. Yep, you got this one. What does it mean... For the three-year extension signing of Anthony Davis to the Lakers. It means good business for the Lakers. Um, Davis played exceptional in these playoffs besides the Western Conference Finals. Um, He was one of the main reasons why the Lakers got to the Western Conference Finals in the first place. And I think he deserves that extension. Um, We've said it once before. We've said it 5,000 times. We'll say it again. When Davis is healthy and on the floor, he is one of the best players in basketball. He yes, his motor is a little inconsistent, but in the playoffs he showed a better motor than in seasons past. He's he really played well, and he deserves that extension. And it signifies uh, once LeBron does move on to different pastures that Davis will be the future face of the L.A. Lakers. Okay, so uh, looking at the contract here, it's three year, one hundred eighty six million. Uh, max extension, and yep. it's it's basically he's with the franchise through to twenty twenty eight. Does it come with incentives? For a total of two hundred seventy million plus. Is that incentives? Well, that's what it says. I don't know. It basically says it here. He lands the richest annual extension at at sixty two million dollars. Okay. So, okay. It, it, I, I I'm with you on that one. It is good business, and I I would say that the market has changed. And of course, it's Anthony changed. Davis wasn't going anywhere else because nobody else could afford. Of course, him. it's changed. Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown just recently got the right. biggest deal in NBA history. Right, and so, and I, like I said, I, I you know, he did, you know, he performed very well against the Golden State. He was the biggest guy on the court. Yeah. Then he wasn't the biggest guy on the court in in Denver. We know what happened there. He got schooled. Yeah. But he stayed on the court. You didn't see him limping. You didn't see him dragging his feet. You didn't see him in street clothes, as Charles Barkley always says. So he stayed healthy. So you'd hope now, at this point, that a, a corner's been turned and that physically he can stay on the court to help this team because without him, the Lakers will not go where they want to go, and that is the moves they've made are great. LeBron is not going to be LeBron. It's not, it wasn't LeBron last season. Yeah, He's not able to stay on the court forever. Yeah, And so now you've sort of said, we're investing in you now. He's almost, I think he's almost 30, Andy Davis. So at this point, he's reaching that next tier of his career. You're here. LeBron's going to retire soon. Yeah. You're the next one to take Reti- this franchise. He retires yeah. or he goes. No, uh, the Bronny situation is not going to. I don't know if he plays in the NBA because of. The heart um, thing, who knows? Because of the cardiac arrest that yeah. he suffered. Um, prayers up. Hopefully he uh, is able to live a normal life, let alone play basketball. But um, the Davis thing, uh, yeah, he's going to be – they're investing in him as the future of their franchise once LeBron does move on to wherever he moves on to. Yep. Moving on here. At or around this day, 1989 Mets trade for Frank Viola. So Frank Viola was a um, left-handed pitcher with the Minnesota Twins. And so in 1987, uh, they won the World Series. Um, they beat the Atlanta Braves. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Uh, in 1987, maybe not. No, no, sorry, St. Louis Cardinals. My bad. So he was traded to the Mets, and they and the Mets traded Rick Aguilera and a few other players. And Rick Aguilera, interestingly enough, had a pretty good career with them. Yeah. 
So I mean, it was, it was, he had 20 wins that season, so that was an important situation for the franchise. They didn't quite, this was a year after getting to the World NLCS against the Dodgers, but losing. Yeah. So happy birthday to, oh, that was not happy birthday, around that time, years ago, Frank Fire yeah. was traded. Uh, at or around this day, Tim Lincecum, your boy, yeah. threw the first no threw his first no hitter against the. Well, Padres. I lo- I love Tim Lincecum. I love I loved his prime. His prime was unbelievable. Well, his he, prime he, and then his arm yeah, gave out. Yeah, because of his his delivery. His arm but, gave out. Yeah, because of his his delivery. Have you seen his delivery? And Watching his pitch, it now. His pitching motion. Yeah, that's the kind of delivery he was he was putting up for a hundred plus pitches. And in the Padres no hitter, he threw one hundred and forty eight pitches. pitches. You're right. In a CG no hitter, ten years ago. Yeah. Huge, a huge performance, a great performance. It's sad because I think his, I mean, his career could have gone a little and longer. Look, it just, it just his arm he, just gave out. He got three rings. He yeah. got three rings. That's more than you can say. <coughs> That's more than you can say for a lot of players. He got three rings and was in the midst of that even year dynasty of the San Francisco Giants. Yeah, a fantastic pitcher, fantastic player. He won us, I believe. Did he get a Cy Young? Yeah, he got a Cy Young. Yeah, he, he got a Cy Young. Young. He was also he was a four time All Star. That's a successful career. That is a very successful career. And the fact that he's he's living a quiet life now, good for him. Right yeah. now, yep. good, very much good for him. Yep. Moving on here, yep. at or around this time, twenty five years ago, the highest scoring All Star game happened. It was the highest All Star. I don't know the full score, but it happened at Colorado. Enough said. Yeah, if it happens <laughs> in Colorado, the score is going to be. Ridonculous, and yeah. it was a, one of the highest scoring All Star games. Yeah. Happy belated birthday to Barry Bonds. Enough said there. I wish you well. I'm sure you're doing fine. Yeah, he's a baseball he, convention look, signing thing. He's a he's a um, he's a very controversial figure in baseball history, but no one can deny that he's one of the best players in baseball history. There's a great saying that says it's harder to hit a baseball than to hit it hard, and Barry Bonds was the best hmm. at making contact with the ball. Of anyone in baseball history, I don't. Yes, but did he have help? Yes, yes. Steroids. That's, that's my question. Did he have help with it? So. Yes, steroids. But before he touched the juice, he was the best player in baseball. He, he was. Won, he won three MVPs. Yeah, he did without touching a steroid. So then why touch it? He never admitted it. But well, was. because he well he's never admitted <laughs> never it. Never admitted but it. Look at guys like Sosa and McGuire, who were considered to be some of the best players in the two of the best players in the league. And Bonds was sort of an afterthought because of his, you know, his less than fun personality. Yeah. Um, and he was like, "Okay, I'll get on the same stuff at the, as these guys and show you who the best player in the league looks like." Mm-hmm. And combine his five tool ability with insane chemical help, he nuked the league the highest on base percentage in MLB history in two thousand four. 60%, the highest, uh, uh, four straight NL MVPs, uh, has the home run record with an asterisk passing Hank Aaron. But, yeah, there's not really much else to say around him. Yep. Moving on. Moving on. Happy birthday to Patrick Ewing, 61 years old. We know enough. Enough said. Nick fan like myself. The captain, Patrick Ewing, drafted in 1985 out of Georgetown University. Everything else is said and done. He did everything. He was one of the top leaders of the Knicks. Probably the um, he gets a lot of flack for not showing up in the playoffs. I don't he think that's true. I don't. I don't. I, don't, I disagree I don't with. What show I, I disagree with the sentiment that Pat Ewing wasn't a playoff performer eh. because he was. He was a playoff performer. Very much so. He didn't get a whole lot of help. Didn't get a whole. Didn't have yeah. help. He didn't get a whole lot. That of was help. the nineties. They didn't know a lot. The he 90s, had no help. They. they 
They I mean, had, he had Charles Smith, the, the fake, the fake, the fake, the fake, the smack, the fake, the, the fake, the fake. The Marv Albacole. Smith, stop, yeah, stop, yeah, yeah, stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had, um, he had Charles Smith. He had Greg Anthony, who was garbage with his shot. John he had Starks. John Starks, who was occasionally in the three. He, but, they didn't have But then they there was you know. the 1994 finals we where know, John Starks schooled. was unbelievable and that in game six and almost had the title-winning shot, but... Hakeem got the fingertip to it, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then Game Six was the John Starks game, where yeah, yeah, yeah. in a Charles Smith kind of way. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, happy birthday to Marcus Ware, forty-one years old. He, of course, played with the Cowboys, but then he then traded to the Broncos and won a championship with the Broncos against the Panthers that year. So that was the big. That was a big movie. Yeah. Was it was, the Panthers? Yes. What yes. year was that? I don't know what year that was. Okay. I'm not looking for it, but I know that it was against Cam Newton and the. You know, oh, prime yeah. Cam Newton okay. at the time, uh, MVP Cam Newton at the time. Yeah, with the Carolina Panthers yeah. and the Broncos. One happy Man, birthday. That Panthers team was so fun. And retirement time, Lance Buddy Franklin. So Lance Buddy Franklin, who plays here in this country, AFL, which is Australia Football League. It's Australian footy. Uh, plays with the Sydney Swans and is soon my to beloved, retire. My beloved Sydney Swans beloved. lose a legend. Um, beloved. Yep. I've, I've watched them in oh, the past. Sorry, I've watched, he's played nearly 10 years. I've watched equally 172 games with Sydney and 182 games with Hawthorne. And there's a few stats I'll throw out here. Uh, essentially, he's kicked 1,066 goals, the fourth, fourth most in AFL history. So that's he's called it a day. He's decided to retire. Um, Two-time premiership champion with Hawthorne. It's, eight times Australian team. Four Coleman medals. It's, uh, it's tough to figure. it's tough to put into words how much Buddy means to the Swans. Uh, he was the captain for ten years. The contract they gave him was the most exorbitant contract any player has ever gotten in AFL history. It also caused uh, a stir because the Swans had to sort of do some shady stuff to get that that signing to be ratified but he got them to three grand finals all of them they lost one of them was against Hawthorne uh his former team the other two years later was against the Western Bulldogs mm-hmm. I watched that game in just horror and just disappointment and then the the other one was last year against against uh against Geelong where they came up short big time uh, but Buddy means so much to the Swans. Uh, one of the greatest players in uh, Swans history. Easily probably the best goal scorer in Swans history. Uh, franchise legend who never got the ring with us, but got his rings in, in Hawthorne with that team. All right, that's it for our show. That's it. If you're coming from TikTok or any yeah. other platform, welcome. welcome. We do this thing once a week. Next week, more baseball. Uh, will the Angels get it together? No. <laughs> no. Uh we're gonna have we have NFL preseason right now. We're looking at that. Training yep. camp is in full swing. Yep. If more rumors come out, we'll be here to cover them. Obviously NBA season's coming up very, very soon. Yep, not yet. Very, not yet, but very excited for that. And we'll see you next week. Bye bye.